What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about actress Terry Mulligan in the movie The King of Staten Island, starring Pete Davidson. But first, let's talk about the career of actress Carrie Mulligan. She might not be the biggest name, but when you see her on screen, you think to yourself, wow, that's a movie star. The first thing that Carrie Mulligan was in was Pride and Prejudice. She played the little sister to Kiera Knightley's character. And again, even in that small little part, you're like, who is that? She's interesting. And then immediately she explodes in a little movie called An Education where she got her first Oscar nomination. This movie is insane. Her alongside Peter Skarsgård. This is one of my all-time favorite movies. I watched this movie thinking, what's the big deal with this? I thought it was going to be overrated. And then I was just blown away by her performance. Roseman Pike, Alfred Molina, and Dominic Cooper are also in An Education. I mean, it's just one of the best coming-of-age stories I've ever witnessed on screen in and that's mostly because of the performance of Carrie Mulligan. Then she follows that up with Never Let Me Go, which is this weird sci-fi horror film written by Alex Garland. It's starring her, Kira Knightley, and Andrew Garfield. And the relationship between Carrie Mulligan and Andrew Garfield in this movie is fantastic. They have great chemistry. This is an intense, strange movie. And then she appeared in the sequel to Wall Street, Wall Street Money Never Sleeps. Now, people hate this movie. This movie is not that bad. Shia LaBeouf is actually pretty good in this movie, and so is Carrie Mulligan. They have really good on-screen chemistry. Also, I enjoyed this movie. The plot between Carrie Mulligan being the daughter of Michael Douglas's character, I think is the, the key to the movie. It should have been more focused on that relationship, because when the movie is focused on that, it's a better movie. But I think her main stream breakout performances in the movie Drive, which Ryan Gosling is the star of. He is, of course, excellent in this movie. This is like the violent version of the movie Baby Driver, directed by Nicholas Reffin. This movie is insanely violent. Albert Brooks is also in this movie. It's fantastic. But Carrie Mulligan's role in this film is terrific. She's so quiet in the movie, yet this is the best chemistry I've ever seen her have in a movie. It's with Ryan Gosling. I mean, you care about this relationship. That scene in the elevator Vader still gets me worked up to this day. It's an insane movie. I think if you look at Mulligan's career, she's almost always in these movies about these like dark subjects. Like the movie Shame is a very dark subject movie. It stars Michael Fassbender. This movie is not for the faint of heart. I really enjoyed this film. Carrie Mulligan's performance in this movie is dark. She was also in the Coen's brother movie Inside Lewin Davids, which is not like a bright film. It's not like it's not dark in the same way that Shame is, but but it's not like a feely good touchy movie. Like that's not the type of actress that Carrie Mulligan is. She's not going to be playing Mary Poppins anytime soon. Both her films with Oscar Isaac in them are fantastic. Drive and Inside Lewin Davis. That's an interesting relationship the two of them have in both of those movies. Mulligan also starred in the movie Suffragette alongside Meryl Streep and Helena Bonham Carter. Mudbound with Jason Clark and Garrett Hedlund, which is a really fantastic movie. But the one performance in her resume that really blew me away was Paul Dano's directorial debut, Wildlife. Carrie Mulligan in this movie is fantastic. It's unreal how good she is in this movie about somebody who's a mother who really didn't want to be a mother and housewife. In this movie, her husband Jake Gyllenhaal goes away and she loses everything that her life is about. It's kind of about how your life shouldn't be about that one thing, even though that thing is really important. There's not really a human being that 
there anymore. Like Harry Mulligan in that movie didn't have a life outside of her husband's. And when that life is gone, she has to totally rearrange her life. And it's been talked about how that character is not really likable. It seems to me like Harry Mulligan does not care about playing likable characters. I mean, another thing that just had brought her a lot of success is just look at the list of filmmakers she's worked with, starting with Pride and Prejudice with Joe Wright, then Wall Street Money Never Sleeps with Oliver Stone, Drive with Nicholas Reffin, Shame with Steve McQueen, Inside Lewin Davis with the Coen Brothers, Mudbound with Dee Reese, Wildlife with Paul Dano, even the first time directors she's worked with have been really great filmmakers. I think the reason she's not a household name is because she's not been in the Marvel films, she hasn't been in those like big time blockbusters, the big studio movies she's been in still don't feel as big as like those other tentpole franchise movies. Carrie Mulligan has not been a part of those and I don't think she's going to be a part of those anytime soon. I think at the end of the day you're going to look back at the end of her career and she's going to have two or three Oscar awards, not just nominations, awards. That's how good Carrie Mulligan is as an actress. I don't think we've seen the best that Carrie Mulligan has to offer as a performer. Even how good she is in the movie In Education, which she got nominated for an Oscar for, she's a thousand times better in the movie Wildlife, and I think there's more to come with her as an actress. I think she gives movie audiences movies that they don't expect, like Drive, like Shame. She has a movie coming out called Promising Young Woman that looks like a like dark comedy. Like I'm really excited to get to see that one. What's interesting about Mulligan is, yes, I think she's a movie star, but she's never been in, like, a box office smash film. Like, An Education was a critically acclaimed film that was nominated for an Oscar, but a lot of people do not know the movie An Education. Wall Street Money Never Sleeps was a flop. Drive was a hit. Shame, of course, not a lot of people have seen that. Inside Lewin Davis is one of the Coen Brothers' best movies, but it's also one of their most underrated films that not a lot of people have seen. Mudbound, Wildlife, these are like smaller independent films. A lot of people have not seen the work of Carrie Mulligan. That's why what I'm hoping for her moving forward is to be in a movie that everyone sees so that you can all understand how good of an actress Carrie Mulligan is. That's what's kind of maddening about the world that we are living in. We have an actress that's so good in Carrie Mulligan, yet she might go undiscovered by the mass populace because she's not in a movie that's like a tentpole franchise superhero film. But you should go back and watch these movies, Pride and Prejudice and Education, Never Let Me Go, Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps, Drive, Shame, Inside Lewin Davis, Suffragette, Mudbound, Wildlife. Watch these movies and understand what I'm talking about. Carrie Mulligan is a one-of-a-kind actress, and it's so cool to look back at Pride and Prejudice and look at all the actresses that have come out of that movie, and all of them have had success. Kira Knightley, one of the biggest movie stars in the world. Roseman Pike has been fantastic in like a Bond movie. She was also in Gone Girl, of course. Jenna Malone has been part of the Hunger Games franchise. She's a really good actress. And of course, Carrie Mulligan. Like a lot of the best British actresses have come out of that film. And it's fantastic to see. And you should definitely check out the work of Carrie Mulligan. Because I think when you see her on screen, it seems effortless. It seems subtle. Like she's not like that intense actress that I mostly like 
but I really do enjoy Carrie Mulligan as an actress, and I think a lot of people would too. She just hasn't been in those big-time movies, but definitely check out movies that star Carrie Mulligan, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Again, I just hope that Mulligan gets more recognition for her works in awards, and also eyes watching her movie. Like, I think more people need to see her movies, because I think a lot of people are missing out on one of the best actresses working today, Carrie Mulligan. Now let's switch gears and talk about the movie The King of Staten Island starring Pete Davidson. Here's a quick synopsis. Scott Carlin is a 24-year-old who lives with his mom in Staten Island. Scott suffered the loss of his father, a firefighter at a young age, and since he has lived life without purpose or direction. But when his mom begins dating for the first time since his father's death, another firefighter, Scott must move out and decide what to do with his life. This movie blew me away. It's one of the best films of 2020, and I think it's even better than what most critics are giving it credit for. The movie was funnier than I expected it to be based off critics' reviews and also more meaningful. And the biggest reason for that is Pete Davidson. He's phenomenal in this movie. He's given two terrific performances this year. One as the lead in The King of Staten Island and the other as a supporting character in Big Time Adolescence. In both cases, it feels like he's bringing his real struggles on screen. He's one of the most authentic actors I've ever seen and I hope he gets award buzz for both performances. Like, I think there's a chance that Pete Davidson should get an Oscar nomination this year for one of those two performances. I don't care which one you pick, but he deserves one. He's so good at playing these, like, troubled, problematic characters at times, but you still end up caring for them, and I think that's the Pete Davidson effect. It's his greatest attribute is his likability. I think he's one of those rare comedians who is himself whenever he's on screen, and I think that's something we've seen in this past, like, decade that's had a lot of success. Like, I think Seth Rogen is being Seth Rogen all the time. I think Pete Davidson is Pete Davidson all the time, and it's working, and I think that's why he gets the Adam Sandler comparison. When you see Adam Sandler on screen, he's being Adam Sandler. Those guys are just too likable to be playing anything other than themselves because they're more interesting than any character they could possibly make up on screen. That's why in other movies other than the two he's been in this year, Pete Davidson wasn't really that memorable in his little performance and set it up. Like, he was trying to play a comedic best friend. He wasn't playing himself in both performances this year, The King of Staten Island and Big Time Adolescence. I think you're seeing the real Pete Davidson most of the time. And I think that's the advantage of being a comedic movie star, is that while other actors hide in characters, you get to be yourself. Like Rodney Dangerfield, Bill Murray, Eddie Murphy, and Chris Farley, they all get to be themselves on screen, and we go to these movies wanting them to be themselves because they are hilarious. People are going to watch King of Staten Island to see Pete Davidson be Pete Davidson, and he doesn't disappoint. The rest of this cast is insane. Let's talk about Bill Burr in this movie. From the minute he enters the movie, he is hilarious. He delivers one of the best supporting performances of the year, and this guy can really act. He was awesome in an episode of The Mandalorian. He was also in the Jason Reitman movie, The Front Runner, alongside Hugh Jackman. I mean, Bill Burr is one of the best stand-up comedians, but he's also a really good actor. You walk away from this thinking that Bill Burr could definitely be the lead of his own comedy. Marissa Tomei is in this movie, and I think she's been a great actress for so long that we have taken her for granted. She can be brilliant no matter the genre. I mean, she's been good so much this past decade. She was so good 
good in The Big Short. She was so good in Crazy Stupid Love, those two films with Steve Carell. She's fantastic as Aunt May. She has great chemistry with Tom Holland in those films. She was also fantastic in that George Clooney film, The Ides of March, which had Philip Seymour Hoffman, Ryan Gosling. She should be one of those actresses that has more than one Oscar. Her performance in My Cousin Vinny is all-time funny, but she has been worthy of getting another Oscar for a long time now. And in this performance as Pete Davidson's mom, you really believe that she cares for him, but she also gives him tough love throughout the film. Maude Apatow and Belle Powley are great in supporting roles. Both have great chemistry with Pete Davidson. Maude Apatow, though, has been on quite the run. She's fantastic in the show Euphoria. She's also in the Ryan Murphy Netflix show Hollywood. This is also a reunion of sorts as she's being directed by her father, Judd, for the first time since This is 40. It's really interesting to know somebody as a, like, a green child actor and now she's become like a bona fide interesting actress now let's talk about her father the director of this film and one of my favorite directors of all time Judd Apatow and I think he's the most successful comedy director of the last decade and a half because he builds his movies around the strengths of the comedic star of the movie Steve Carell in 40 year old version Seth Rogen in Knocked Up Adam Sandler in Funny People Paul Rudd in This Is 40 Amy Schumer in train wreck and now Pete Davidson with the King of Staten Island. Judd is so good at making a movie fit the comedic sensibility of who the star of the movie is. I also think another thing that differentiates himself from others is that he's done it with so many people. You can't say he can't direct a film that doesn't star Seth Rogen. He's done so many films with other stars. Like, I think I could use that diss against Adam McKay. All of his comedies had Will Ferrell. But Judd has done it a time and time again with a different comedic star. Steve Carell couldn't be any more different than Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen couldn't be any more different than Adam Sandler. Paul Rudd couldn't be any more different than Amy Schumer. Yet, one of the things I love most about the movies that Judd Apatow makes is that they all feel connected no matter the film. They're all dealing with these immature characters who are struggling to grow up. His films feel based in reality. They're not over-the-top slash stick humor like Will Ferrell or Adam McKay. I'm sorry, I just like that kind of comedy better. Like, in the moment, Step Brothers is a great film, but it's not a movie that I rewatch all the time. I rewatch Knocked Up all the time. I rewatch Funny People all the time. I rewatch This Is 40 all the time because they have meaning to me. And he produced some of those movies. He produced Step Brothers. He produced Anchorman. But the stuff that he directs that feels meaningful meaningful to me the most. Like, think about how well the Freaks and Geeks has aged. We all think if that show were on today, it would have been a hit. And think about the stars that came from that show. Seth Rogen, James Franco, Jason Siegel. Then go to Knocked Up, where he basically discovered Jay Baruchel and Charlie Hunnam. You're like, this guy has an eye for talent, but he also has an eye for why we should care about these people. That show and all of his work have aged so well because they are so relatable. We are all going to go through the things that his characters in his films go through. 
I also love this thing that he does where he gives an actor a small part in a movie and then later on that actor is the star of one of his films. Like early on with Bill Hader, he was in Knocked Up and then later on he stars in Trainwreck. Jonah Hill is in The 40-Year-Old Virgin and later on he stars in funny people knocked up in super bad and the same thing happened with p davidson he has like one scene in the film train wreck and now he's the star of his own judd apatow film like that to me is special I think one of the criticisms of The King of Staten Island is that it's not funny enough. And I think that's ridiculous. Davidson is putting his own personal life into the film, which I think makes it more real. And for me, he's so vulnerable that he's kind of giving you permission to laugh at his own life. Pete Davidson is basically giving you permission to laugh. And I think that makes you laugh. I really do. I think it had that effect of, wow, this is really personal to him. I guess I just don't also agree with the overall thought that Pete Davidson is not a funny person. Listen, I don't think he's exactly on fire when he's on Saturday Night Live, but when he does update on that show, he's hilarious. I've watched both of his stand-up specials. They are at times hilarious. Also, the other criticism of this film is that it's too long and that most of Judd Apatow films are too long. I strongly disagree with that. I think his films are long enough to get you to care about the characters. You watch Paul Rudd and This Is For for two hours go through his personal life and by the end of it you end up really caring for that character the same thing with pete davidson and the king of staten island you really get into his struggles his personal life and you end up caring for him but also why don't i want to watch two hours of seth rogan why don't i want to watch two hours of adam sandler why don't i want to watch a hangout movie with pete davidson and his friends for two hours we are all at home for the most part right now almost all the time what am i doing that's better than watching Pete Davidson be Pete Davidson. He's fun. He's charming. He's a movie star basically now. Like, why don't I want to watch him develop into a movie star in two hours? I'm sorry. It's not a waste of time. It felt like a great use of time, and it felt really fast. I think people just look at the time lengths of Judd Apatow movies and criticize them without actually experiencing the movie. They go quickly. They're funny. Another thing I really loved about this movie was the ending. I think it was perfect. You felt good about where the character was going. Apatow films end with realistic character growth without solving every single issue that the character has. You know, like most movies like to do, like I love the ending of Knocked Up. I love the ending of Funny People. And at the end of this film, you feel good about where the character of Scott is going. I don't need to see Scott get there. I don't need to see Scott get married to his girlfriend. I don't need to see Scott get a job. I know Scott's going to end up okay. And I think it's more powerful for me to think that than for me to see it on screen. I think another thing that gets talked about in Judd Apatow films is how likable or unlikable these characters are. And I think that's real life. I don't think a lot of people in real life are that likable. Or you know right off the bat that they are likable. Yes, Seth Rogen's character in Knocked Up at first is kind of unlikable. But by the end of the film, you kind of like him. Adam Sandler's character in Funny People is at times a despicable human being. But you do see character growth. And the movie is about kind of how 
how you act when you get sick and when you think you are dying. Paul Rudd in This Is 40 and Knocked Up. There are times where you hate that guy. You think he's a bad dad. You think he's a bad husband. But Judd Apatow gets you to care about these characters. In this film, The King of Staten Island is kind of about how Scott is dealing with the fact that he no longer has a father figure. But another thing that's so fascinating about this film is that the idea of that he knew this guy for seven years and now that is lost. Like there's this idea that the film thinks about would his life be easier if he never knew his own father at all. That idea is fascinating. There's a scene between Davidson and Maude Apatow where he basically says you're better off for not knowing our dad because I know how awesome of a guy he is. That's a heartbreaking scene and a sentiment I've never really seen in a movie before. I think the character of Scott is a complicated character who went through horrific tragedy and throughout the movie you care about him, you root for him, and after you feel the exact same way about Pete Davidson. I want to see so many more films that star Pete Davidson. He'll be in the upcoming DC film The Suicide Squad. It was also announced this week that he'll be doing a movie with his fellow Saturday Night Live castmate Colin Jost who is also from Staten Island. Big things are happening in the career of Pete Davidson. Don't miss out. Check out The King of Staten Island. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney. There'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. And this week, I put the spotlight on actress Carrie Mulligan and the comedy The King of Staten Island. Next week, I'm putting the spotlight on the movies Buffaloed, starring Zoe Deutsch and Shirley, starring Elizabeth Moss. So tune into that and please rate, review, and subscribe. 